0: Welcome to TroBlack Black TV's weekly podcast where we feature the world's most extreme athletes. This week we're featuring Rafa Ortez, who is undoubtedly one of the world's greatest kayakers with more first descents and launches over death-defying waterfalls than anyone else alive. His most recent film, Chasing Niagara, which you can watch on TroBlack.com, will make you realize why Rafa is a legend in the kayaking world. Rafa, welcome to our show.
1: Oh, how's it going? Good, man. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, I can hear you perfect. Can you hear me?
2: Yeah, fantastic, man. You know, it's like one of those things where you go, you got these two tin cans with a string between it. And you're trying to hope that you can hear each other.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know, but it's yeah, it's amazing what technology does nowadays, though. I know, man. Are you in Mexico right now? Yeah, yeah. I'm in Mexico City. I'm actually, I'm packing my van right now. We're leaving tonight um, and driving all the way up to, eventually all the way up to Washington State, but uh, we got to be in L.A. by like, Thursday. So, yeah, long road trip.
2: Yeah, yeah no like, kidding, man. In the middle of like, How, long?
1: The
2: whole, oh, How long does it take you to get from Mexico City to L.A.? I
1: uh, it probably take us, like, three or four days. I mean, we could maybe faster, but we, we want to do Baja. I've never driven Old Baja, so I really kind of want to check it out and, you know, just do the road trip along the coast. Right on, man. You know, yeah. first
2: of all, okay. congratulations on chasing Niagara film, man. That is just oh, my, wife and I, yeah. my wife and I watched it the other night, and uh, I would say I was completely blown away. I mean, I, I've been following you, been watching the videos, and everything else, but that film was really well done.
1: Cool, man. Thank you for, uh, thank you for the comments. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was a a long process, and uh, you know, ups and downs. And I was actually pretty blown away with the. I mean, when I decided to not run that or false, I kind of gave up on the whole, like, on the hope of even having anything. You know, it was it was done. It was like, yeah, that's it. Like, you know, probably nothing will come out. And you know, but um, but yeah, it was cool to see it uh, take shape. You know, and and become something that yeah I was pretty stoked on how uh how it turned out. You know,
2: kudos to you for listening to that seriously because all that pressure man, you could have uh, just as easily been persuaded to launch off and uh, you know we may not be having this conversation right now.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's definitely like yeah, pretty high risk and a lot on the table for sure. Um, but yeah, you know it was it wasn't it wasn't like it wasn't an easy decision by any means, but, uh, but I think in the end, and that's kind of what I'm really fired up about all this, that, you know, people don't get to see that often. Like, people only just see the videos, you know, of, like, epic action and incredible things, but, you know, in the end, one, they don't see usually how much how much is it involved in the process of making something crazy happen, and two, they don't get to see that it's, you know, it's not always just, you know, fun and games and, you know, and everything works out perfectly or everything just happens or whatever, you know. Um, I don't know. I was pretty fired up in the end, but, um, I don't know, like my message for youth, um, I kind of never even saw that coming, you know. Like, I would have never imagine uh, that that was like, you know, one of my messages of my my professional career, you know, to be able to, you know, tell the kids that it's fine to uh, to walk away. No, man, that, seriously, that is a really important message.
2: Um, yeah. and, and seriously, I, I think that, uh, um, you know, it's real easy for kids to see someone, you know, whether it's bass jumping, free soloing, you know, doing what you're doing, launching off of these waterfalls, you know, to think that, you know, all they got to do is that and I can get the sponsorship with Red Bull and stuff. And mm-hmm. and, and I think it was important for them to see all that went into each and every one of your descents, I mean it was just impressive the teamwork
1: yeah.
2: and 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 to see really how much risk there was involved in terms of you know this is real, I mean you could die,
1: yeah yeah, totally man. yeah, thank you for uh thanks for the for the comments really, uh, yeah really appreciate it,
2: yeah, well you know you uh, you've said you know, I've heard you say that the, the falls is a monster that is waiting for a chance to do a duel with you. Tell us more yeah. about that.
1: Um, well, I mean, Niagara Falls is crazy. I mean, I don't know if... Uh, I mean, I, I guess a lot of people have actually been there, but uh, you really have to just, like, step in front of it, you know, to, like, feel it and, you know, get the... Just, like, get the feeling of the power of a, of a place. Um. I don't know. I think it's it's, it's a pretty unique place. Like, it's just kind of like the mother of all waterfalls in the planet. I think my zoo is pretty spectacular, Falls is amazing. I mean, not to take away anything from all the other amazing waterfalls, but Niagara, is, it's kind of unique, you know. It's, it's, it's kind of like the most important waterfall on the planet. Um, and what's crazy about it is that, on one hand, it has this crazy story of um, daredevils that have done crazy stunts on it. Basically, people that have put their lives in a barrel, and just you know got pushed offshore and you know randomly off of you know wherever the current would take them, you know go over the 160 foot falls and a lot of them have survived. I think it's something like 730 or something like that. it is, what was the number? Ten have survived, all five have perished. That's the that's the number. But um. I mean, and not just them, like a lot of people have actually committed suicide over a matter of four. but it's kind of crazy how it just kind of, it's, it's attractive, you know, it's, it, you know, you stand in front of it and, and there's something about it. Like I can, I can tell you today for sure that, you know, during a three year process, I got to be absolutely insane, like absolutely obsessed by it. Like it was sickening, like crazy. You know, like I went through the mentality of each one of those people that put their life in the barrel to, you know, to do one of those stunts. My perspective was a little different, in my opinion. I wanted to do something fully professional, train all the way up to that height, to that, you know, level of waterfall and do it, you know, in a very calculated way. Um, But, I mean, in the end, like, it's kind of crazy because the mentality and what goes through your mind is exactly the same, like, super, like, insane, like, literally insane mentality and feeling in your mind, um, of all those, uh, crazy people. <laughs> yeah, speaking of the mind
2: there, what, what is going through your mind when you're getting ready to launch off of any one of these big falls that you've gone off of?
1: Um, it's funny because like every single time, um, actually like I, I get in my kayak and it's funny because every single time I think again, like, um, uh, you know, you're such an idiot, Rafa. Like, why are you not just, like, chilling in, at home watching TV? Like, it could be a lot easier, you know? Because it's funny because every single time I'm doing something that challenges my, my skills and, uh, and gets me away from my comfort zone, every single time, like, my, my mind wants to go back to that comfort zone. And every single time that I'm above a waterfall, it's like, fuck, you know, like, I, I could be doing something a lot easier and a lot chiller and a lot less dangerous. Um, I could just be watching TV. Why are you doing this again? And it's funny because every single time my mind goes to that. And then eventually, you know, I'm like, okay, right, right. A little more rationally, let's say, I kind of go back to the original um, decision, like why, okay, I'm I'm doing this, yes, but why am I doing this? I'm, I'm doing this basically because I want to do it, because I know I can do it. I know exactly, you know, what are, what are the paddle strokes and the, you know, the right angle, the right speed that I have to do to be able to complete a line successfully. So I just kind of try to go back to that rational mind to be like, all right, like, you know, you're doing this because, you know, you know, you can do it and it's a challenge that you, you know, personally and absolutely consciously decided to, uh, to get into. Um, And then, yeah, it kind of chills out a little bit then. And yeah, as soon as I get in my boat and I get into the current, it's cool because there's, there's some moments somewhere around there with like all that fear just kind of disappears. Like it all kind of fades and it all just becomes, um, this crazy, like focus, um, state, like this concentration where, I mean, at least for me, I've never yet found, you know, another moment in my life and my day, um, where I can be more, you know, with the moment thinking about nothing else, like, you know, no distractions, no nothing, but exactly what's happening in that second. Um, That's pretty rad. I think that's kind of, you know, one of the things that I like the most, you know, getting in that state and enjoying the ride. Um, Mm -hmm. And, yeah, hopefully, you know, doing the line rides, um, you know, hopefully making a good decision. Because oftentimes, like, these waterfalls have never been done before, and it's something, you know, Absolutely like exploratory, let's say you know, like I come up with I look at a line and the only the only way to know if it's possible is you know trying it, testing it, testing it on my own, um so yeah, hopefully it all works out, and you know they come out of the bottom and, and yeah, it's like such a crazy moment, you know, like absolutely just like full of adrenaline and looking back at the waterfall and you know kind of kind of that feeling of accomplishment you know which I think is it doesn't have to be like a waterfall like, and it's, it's like the same feeling of like studying for an exam for you know a whole year or a couple of years and then you know getting the results and being like heck yeah I could, I did it you know and it's it's cool because it's you know that feeling is so uh, so powerful and so motivating to do other things like again every, every success turns into a uh, more power, you know, more um, mm-hmm. more power on your own skills on your own judgment and, and whatever it is that you're doing. We were uh,
2: just talking about fear because, you know, it's been an interesting topic for me as well because it's one of the, probably the number one questions that gets asked of me is, aren't you afraid? And my answer has, you know, always surprised people by saying, yeah, actually, you know, oftentimes I can be terrified <laughs> about what I'm yeah. about to do. Um but but something amazing takes place. And I don't know, I just wanna compare notes here with you because what happens with me is that um I suddenly just when I'm getting myself into that zone, all of a sudden everything around me just disappears. I, I almost don't even hear anyone talking anymore. It's just me and and what I am about what I could do. And even though that fear is right there, I realize that, you know, what I'm about to do could be the very last thing I'm going to do. I feel this surge of adrenaline and energy just rushing into me. And all of a sudden, I'm not, I, best way to describe it, I feel superhuman. I, I feel like I can't get pumped. I can't, I'm, I'm not tired. I don't even feel pain. I, I could go on forever. That's the kind of energy that I feel from fear. So when I read that about you talking about fear making you that way, I just wanted to like compare notes and, and get your perspective.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Is it, uh, is it base jumping that you
2: do? Um, you know, my, what I've been known for doing is, uh, free soloing cliffs and, uh, climbing buildings.
1: Oh, damn. Sick.
2: Yeah. I've climbed oh. like 11 buildings around the world. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, I get
1: you.
2: Yeah. So when I'm up there and, uh, and it's just me and a pair of suction cups and sky hooks, 63 <laughs> floors off the deck and my suction cups are slipping. You know the adrenaline is rushing.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. I, I absolutely for sure. That's man, that's incredible. Um, yeah, but I mean, like I was saying before, um, for me, you know, the, the fear—it's kind of like a double-sided weapon. Let's see, um, it's hard to learn how to harness it properly and use it in a positive way. Um, because at the same time, fear can also, you know, it could, it could be bad. It could, if you can't handle it well, it could take you and it has taken me before to making, you know, not necessarily bad decisions, but bad, uh, like having bad lines, like having, you know, not making the proper moves because, you know, if, it, if it's that kind of fear that I can't harness like I need to, um, you all of a sudden kind of, drags my mind and eventually my body and myself to to the danger um so it could be tricky like that but you know it's with you know a lot of experience like doing many waterfalls and many like by, by actually you know what by challenging yourself um repeatedly and let me say this, um, constantly like in a very mm-hmm. you know often um you almost like, I mean, you'll never be comfortable out of your comfort zone because, right. it's You know, then all of a sudden it would be not your comfort zone anymore. Um, or, and like, you know, it would actually be like your comfort zone being uncomfortable. But, uh, but I guess you do kind of get sort of kind of comfortable with it. Like you get used to it and, and you embrace it. And, and, you know, the more you do it, the more you get good at operating, uh, at that level of, uh, discomfort, let's say, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, that's kind of my take on fear. And, and the, I, let, let me actually open that parenthesis that I was uh, that I mentioned before. Um, one thing that I think is like crazy interesting. On the other hand, talking about fear is that as um, I go as I get a little older, um, I get more responsible. I get you know obviously I'm you know I am mature. I think the movie is kind of a lot about that in the end. You know about this kid that was 22 when he looked at Niagara Falls and he was like. Hell yeah, like I know exactly what I need to do and I want to do it. Um, and you know, like for sure I could die, for sure I could, you know, all these bad things could happen to me, but I, but I, I can do it. I know exactly what I need to do and I'm ready to do it. And as I grew older, you know, I started understanding more and more. I, I kept seeing more and more things. And, uh, you know, as, as you grow older in the end, you know, fear kind of changes a bit in your mind. Um, and and it's almost even harder to handle it. The older you are, I feel like sometimes kids, you know, because I paddle with super young kayakers all the time, and it's incredible what they're doing. You know, a kid that's like eighteen to twenty years old, the way that he approaches risk, is completely different than the way that I approach risk. You know, I have experience for sure, and I'm, let's say, I would be a safer kayaker, a more mature, more responsible kayaker. But in the end the way that he approaches some situations are, you know, so much, you know, so much better. Like, so he has like almost like incredible powers that he has because, because of that lack of maturity, you know, because in the end, Mm -hmm. you know, the fear doesn't drag him into, um, into bad scenarios or or into, into the hazards or whatever. Um, I do feel like kids have something that that adults don't, don't, and I do feel like kids you know if if done in the you know as responsible as it could be way kids could do things that older people just just can't like you know it's I think a kid's mind is in the end way more pure and and because of that even way more powerful than a, than a more mature mind with more experience hmm.
2: yeah, I've seen that myself with climbers
1: um how old are you now? I'm 29 right now. And 29. I actually, yeah, and I just got engaged this year. I'm getting married in November, and it's, you know, it's, it's crazy. It's like all of a sudden life is just, you know, I'm just getting older.
2: <laughs> feels so like so how is that affecting you? Is that like uh, changing your desire to do these insanely sick lines?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely like less driven nowadays, I think, to, to higher risks. Like, you know, I'm I'm more experienced and I would I would look at, you know, different challenges that I would four years ago, you know. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm gonna stop doing it and stop doing crazy things, but just like that, like my approach to um to extreme risks is, is very different as well as my um how do you call it, my attraction, let's say, my savviness to uh to do ridiculous things.
2: Mm hmm. Yeah, no, I could totally get it, man. I was going to ask you that because you've been quoted as saying that your willingness to live a shorter life that is a pact that you've made with yourself. And I was just wondering if you still felt that way.
1: You know, that's that's actually pretty interesting, for sure, because I think there's definitely something in there that has changed, for sure. You know, like, that's actually something crazy that happened to me about... That's a long time ago. It's about seven years ago. I ran this crazy waterfall in northern Mexico. It was weird because I felt pretty good about it up top. Um, I made a big mistake in the middle of the descent. It's like a 30-foot slide that reconnects into another about seven-foot slide with a very scrapy, very rough uh, rock that's called travertine. I made a bad. I I made a mistake at the start, and I started with too much angle, which basically it ended up spinning me around, going over backwards, flipping over, rolling up again, and then flipping over again as I went off seventy foot um, sliding waterfall. Basically, like on my head, seventy feet down, broke my full face helmet. Like so put some crazy cuts in my hands, scars that I have till today. Um, and basically when I got to the bottom, like I I was falling, I was, it's one of those times where I've been like, oh shit, like this, this could actually probably be the last one. Um, and I remember like finally getting to the bottom pool and almost being like, shit, is this death? Like, (laughs) am I still alive? And rolling up and, you know, just being super shaken up by that experience. Like one of the closest, um, experiences I've had to death. um, and just, it's just very weird, you know, because I thought that I, at that point, I mean, I was, you know, 22 and I felt invincible, but at that point I was, I felt like I was developing a really interesting um, trust on in my, on my sixth instinct, Um, sorry, my sixth sense, like just basically like trusting my feelings more than my rational mind on making these decisions. And that day I, it was weird because I felt really good about it. You know, and then after that, I actually, I remember like sitting in an outlook, sitting at the waterfall for, you know, about an hour by my own and and just dropping into tears and being like, holy shit, you know, like I, you know, I I felt good about this. Like basically, it, it just basically means that any day I could, you know, no matter how good I am, no matter how good I think I am at making decisions and managing my risks, you know, any day. You know, I'm, it's basically a numbers game. I mean, and if I'm getting that close to risk, one day it is going to catch up with me. And that's the day where I was like, okay, like, if I'm going to keep doing this, I got to, you know, consciously and rationally accept the fact that in a given day, I could die doing this. And, you know, am I willing to, uh, to keep doing this? Am I willing, like, if, if I just keep doing it, you know, it would be, it would be stupid if I didn't accept it properly, you know, and that day was pretty big for me because that's the day where I was like, okay, I'm I'm willing to accept that fact. I'm willing to uh recognize that, you know, any day I I could die. Um and, you know, understanding and accepting that I'm willing to uh to keep doing this. <laughs> and for sure something has changed, you know, the grow the older I grow, for sure I've it's it's interesting. Not that I not that I appreciate my own life more, you know I've always appreciated my life more than anything, but even even more so um, regarding my loving beings like my family and my my wife my future wife, um, you know all of a sudden and that's one one of the main things that I learned on that uh, the Big Niagara project was that that all of a sudden it's not just about me and it's not just about, you know, my own life and, and doing things for my own success, accepting risks for my own self. You know, if for sure, if I, if I die, it's game over, you know, and I'm not going to be able to have fun anymore. And, you know, I will not live anymore. Um, but all of a sudden it's also about, you know, all the people that I love and, and that love me and I'm close to. And, and if I ever died, you know, it would be, it would be, so brutal for you know so many people more than just
2: myself hmm. you know that's probably the reason why i stepped out and said you know i'm not doing it anymore and you know i've talked to so many different athletes like alex hennell and will Stanhope and uly Deck who've, who've been doing this for years in the alpine world mm-hmm. um you know that big question that comes up is is when since we all know it's a numbers game, and you can be the world's best basketball player and you could just drain threes all day long, but sooner or later you're going to have an off day and you're not going to be able to hit them. Uh, when do you know it's time to say enough is enough? Mm, have you asked yourself question. that yet?
1: Mm, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely, like, I, I think it's definitely not, you know, a night and day thing for me right now. Like, it's not that drastic, but I do think that I'm definitely um like I said earlier, like slowing down and uh you know and taking crazy risks anymore mm-hmm. um, I don't know, I mean for myself it you know i i have had a couple of scenarios and i have been in the river with you know, brutal things happening, and you know at least for now it's not like you know I'm gonna stop doing it tomorrow, you know, but I'm definitely um already feeling and and already um making a slow transition in my uh, in my whole kayaking career.
2: Mm-hmm. What do your friends and family think? Are they, su- well, or, are they supportive yeah, or are they trying they, to talk you out of it?
1: No, nah, they've always supported me a ton, for sure. It's been, it's been hard, for sure, like, especially for my mom. I think she's the one that suffers the most. Um, she has this saying that uh, says that, what is it, um, I don't see heart that doesn't feel. Ojos que no ven corazón que no siente. And basically, what it means is that, you know, if she doesn't see what I'm doing, like, she doesn't suffer much by, uh, by watching. Um, but even just like a month ago, we were in, uh, I was like traveling along with my parents and we stopped by a waterfall in Montana, lower Mesa Falls. That, you know, it's not a crazy waterfall. It's like a 30 footer into 30 footer. Um, you know, when I was there, it was, like, perfect water level and had my kayaks. And I actually had a dinner that, that I had to make, but I was just like, fuck it. <laughs> it, would be, it would be a bad decision to not go for it. Um, <laughs> so I ended up, you know, bailing on the dinner plans and just doing it. Um, my dad was there, and he, saw, hey, he helped me out with safety. But my mom, being there, she actually it was very rocky, um, and she got, got kind of caught up, you know, like a a, a – section of the trail. And, you know, I walked because I left my boat there and I saw her and I was like, Hey, I'm going to grab my boat and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to run it in like five or 10 minutes and you know, you should come watch. And she's like, ah, no, I actually rather stay right here. Like I'm actually way better. Like, you know, even if it's 200 feet from where the action is, but I rather just not watch because, uh, I just worry too much. So that's mm-hmm. kinda of how she does it. But uh but yeah, like back to your original question. Like we've always been incredibly supportive about uh my whole kayaking career.
2: Does does religion play a role in your life?
1: Uh not really. I don't consider myself um uh, religious at all. Um yeah, I mean I don't yeah, definitely not like you know, looking at a at a bigger power or bigger, you know, bigger force up there. Um you know, but I am quite spiritual in the end. Um, you know, I don't, I don't pray for God, but I do, you know, believe in, you know, like I was saying earlier, like so many things that are way beyond a rational mind or a rational decision. You know, um, one of the questions that I had, that I was really
2: thinking about when I was watching you go off these big falls. I know you guys do a lot of, you know, you scope out it from every single angle. Do you ever get into the water, um, like? Even scuba dive underneath to see what kind of rocks are underneath.
1: <laughs> Man, that's it's funny because that's actually one of our big, um, that's probably one of our big chimeras, one of our biggest uh, challenges because no, there's actually no way to see the bottom of a waterfall, and that was actually probably my biggest thing with the, the whole Niagara project, more even so than the heights and the impact and. Nobody else risks. Um, the depth was my biggest thing. I decided running a line that was all the way river left, almost against the uh, Canadian shore. Um, and the problem is that it's a very uh, crumbly rock over there, this crazy limestone that uh, just kind of crumbles and, uh, and it's very shallow. So I actually got into this, you know, crazy thing for a couple of years while preparing for, for the descent where I, you know, started researching all these different ideas of how we could uh, fully scope out, scope out the bottom of a waterfall. And it's funny because people ask me that all the time. Like, how deep do you go? Well, I actually don't freaking know. Like, there's, there's no way yet that, you know, we have to, uh, to know what's going on down there. The crazy thing is that it's so... So, so powerful at the bottom of a waterfall. If you hmm. think about it, Niagara Falls, it's 100,000 cubic feet of water every second that goes over the waterfall, which is a stupid amount of water. It's like 3 million uh, liters of water every second. I don't know the exact the world, number, but it's, but it's something ridiculous like that. But now imagine that volume falling from 160 feet high, which basically, you know, enters back into the water. I'm I'm not exactly sure, but it's over like 100 miles an hour. So imagine just like the, the, the force of uh, of that uh, of that phenomenon right there. So it's absolutely impossible to uh, to be down there. Um, and there, no, there's no way to um, to fully dry it out and not have that flow. Um, it's, yeah, there's basically not much you could do. I started experimenting with uh, maybe sending off a sonar. And try to use some technology like that, but the yeah, other the thing that it's so turbulent and it's so uh bubbly um aerated water basically changes the density the air as mm-hmm. the water as the waterfall falls let's say it grabs air, and what you see at the bottom that white water it's a combination of air and water, and basically it um diminishes the density in a very random way that you know makes it almost impossible to uh to get any kind of measurement down there. So, yeah, no, <laughs> it's, really, it's absolutely empirical. There's nothing we could know for sure of what happens at the bottom of a waterfall. So h- how do you
2: know, and this is probably, uh, you've probably been asked this question before, but I've just <laughs> it kept going mm. up for me. how do you know the line that you're picking is the right line? I mean, how do you know you're not going into a pile of rocks?
1: Mm, well, you study it a lot. I mean, you will never, like like I said before, you will never know for sure that it is absolutely deep down there um, because it's so random and turbulent that there's, you know, no, it's not a hundred percent, but you base your decision on experience on, you know, all the waterfalls that I've done before. And, you know, in the end, every single waterfall is different. There's no identical two waterfalls in the planet, but they do have similarities and you base your decisions in similar scenarios that you have done in the past. So the more waterfalls you run, you better, you better get at not just running it and your skills, but you also get better at making decisions because you base your decisions on more um, more similar things. Um, and, yeah, I mean, you will never know if the line you're choosing is perfect, but, you know, you study it and you look at it from every single angle and, uh, yeah, you know what risks are. Like, I will, I will see how water resurfaces at the bottom of a waterfall. And by that, I assume... The you know the shape of the bottom of the waterfall, and I will get an idea if it, if it is deep or not. Um, you know many things like that, like the angle, the approach, the speed. Um, there's there's so many things, um, but in the end, it's you know such a such um I'd say it's such an empirical thing. You know it's all uh-huh. it could be so calculated, but in the end, you know it you know comes down to so many variables that it is quite random too.
2: Have you ever, and I know this may sound crazy, but, you know, when you see someone almost drown or do drown, yeah. um, you wonder, could you wear some kind of oxygen mask of some sort, some just some small tank that you could carry with you just so that, uh, yeah. you
1: know,
2: have yeah, you ever thought of that?
1: It's just funny because um, we, have, we have a lot of similarities with uh, big wave surfing. And, yeah, just like we have, we have gone into a bit of, into like, you know, accessory oxygen tanks like that, mm-hmm. um, you know. But it it hasn't really um, it hasn't really played super well. Um, like one of the big things is that you you get a couple breaths out of a thing, but basically to be able to extract air, you need to first blow to clear the um, the the, um, the path for the air to come out, and basically by blowing out, you sacrifice some. Um, any oxygen that you still have. And if the thing fails, then you're quite just screwed. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, we have experimented a bit with it, but it's, you know, it's not quite there where we, are, where we need it, where we want it.
2: Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, even in snowboarding, we're experimenting with different techniques of, you know, you get pulled in by an avalanche, you know, like, do you have oxygen, because you're going to be pinned under there for maybe three to five minutes, and in that three to five minutes, if you don't have enough air, you're going to die. And so, um, so it just came up for me and made me think about that. Just going, I wonder if you guys do it at all.
1: Yeah, totally. like There's definitely um, a lot more to be done in that front. Like The other hmm. front that's um, pretty similar to big wave surfing that i that we are um working on right now, and there's still a lot to be developed is the um the uh, additional um air in the life jacket like basically what big wave surfers uh, are doing right now that's incredible is that they have engineered a life jacket that yep. almost flat it has some pieces of foam, but it's almost like nothing like worth nothing um but you get four tabs that you could pull each one of them is connected to a CO2 cartridge that, you know, whenever you trigger, it basically inflates your life jacket's maximum capacity of air that's, you know, crazy buoyant, so it'll bring you, like, instantly up to the surface. Then you'll maximize your surface time, and then, you know, for them, whenever the next wave is coming in the set, they they have another tap down lower that they can pull to, you know, extract all the air, and then be able to dive down and and repeat the process uh, four different times. So, yeah, it's you know I was just playing with uh Lin, um and he brought his um he brought his life jacket, and I was amazed that was like the first time that I've got to actually like play with one of those and uh yeah, it's one of the things that i uh i absolutely want to integrate into uh, kayaking as soon as possible
2: yeah why not? I mean you're wearing helmets. And, uh, exactly, man, your wife's going to, your future wife's going to want to keep you around, you know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah. You
2: know, speaking of breathing, do you ever practice holding your breath underwater like surfers do?
1: Yeah, I've done a little bit of, um, more of free dive training. Um, it was, you know, some years ago. I do need to do more of that. I don't do it regularly. But I have done some training on that front and it has been incredibly useful uh, for kayaking. I know that some, you know, big, big surfers have done it as well and some other people like that. And it's, you know, it's just basic um, training that uh, just teaches, teaches you that, you know, your body can still perform with, you know, and you can be well with, you know, leg and would even feet you know,
2: more athletes that I talk to from different sports, there's just so many parallels, uh, just the way that we have to approach our sports. <laughs> and I find it so fascinating because the mindset is almost identical of how we get mm-hmm. ourselves into the right proper mindset.
1: Totally.
2: Yeah, and how we manage I'll... risk and all that.
1: Yeah. Well, it's interesting because in the end, you know, they're all like, in the end, they're all sports where we're trying to um, try to play with our environment. We trying to challenge nature, um, and in the end, our brains are basically as human as each other. And in the end, you know the way, the way that we make decisions and the way that we approach situations is almost identical, right? Like in the end, I mean we are all very different, yes, but in the end, our rational and emotional selves are you know based out of the same. Um, he "Particles or you know, cellular than anyone else." Mm-hmm. It's like we're all members of the same tribe. We may be doing different
2: sports, but we're all we're pursuing something that just makes us all feel alive.
1: Yeah, totally. That's a good way to put it for sure. You know? Good point in common between all of us. Next ten
2: years, what do you see? Um.
1: Well, <laughs> I'm actually in the slow process of uh, finding a way to live in the U.S. I'm living there right now, but in a very, um, temporal way because I'm on a sports visa and my fiance is in a, on a tour visa. So we're figuring out how to stay there for longer. And, you know, my plan is to be there to be able to kayak every day and train more and more. And I don't know, I don't have any, I'm going to have like so many projects and so many of stuff that I want to accomplish still. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm just like so stoked right now with, uh the moment in time that we're going to live from. I love like the whole social media era and, you know, communications era that we're living right now because it just basically makes us able to do, you know, so many things that before used to be, you know, such big projects and such big ordeals. And nowadays, you know, so easy to be able to just do something epic, creative, and simple and be able to, you know, go out, make it happen, film it, produce it, and, you know, have it out that same day and, and that's it, you know, and I don't know, I love, I love what we're doing. And, you know, I'm very, very fired up to, uh, to keep doing it and do more, more crazy stuff like that.
2: Right on. And do, are you still working with Red Bull?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I am a Red Bull athlete, also a GoPro athletes, and, you know, some other companies too, like Jackson Kayak and NRS Paddles, um, sorry, NRS Gear, Adventure Technology Paddles, Volkswagen well, back in Mexico, you know, so-and-so. And so, but, yeah, stoked with, uh, with all these companies um, supporting uh, my dreams and my crazy, creative, stupid ideas, too. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's so right on, man. Uh, is there a particular waterfall, if you were going to say, you know, besides Niagara, and we'll take that off the shelf now, uh, what other waterfall <laughs> would you say is the, uh, the crown jewel?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's definitely still a couple out there. Um, there's still a lot to be done, for sure. You know, the, the tricky thing with these uh, big-name waterfalls like Niagara is that it just make, like turns into something way more um, complicated than just a waterfall. Because um, all of a sudden you're in the, in the in spotlights for something um, with way bigger repercussions and just makes it more complicated. But, yeah, there's still a lot of big things to uh, to be accomplished like that.
2: But I just have to ask you, especially considering you're from Mexico, what do you and all your friends think of Donald Trump?
1: <laughs>
2: I'm just curious. I
1: know, man. <laughs> I actually, it's funny because I, last year I posted a photo on my Facebook um, with me holding two Donald Trump piñatas and just saying, "fuck <laughs> Trump,
0: <laughs> ready for the
1: holidays. So I'm like, that. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, definitely not a too fired up on that topic. I know there's, you know, people that support him and, you know, there's different opinions, but at least personally, I don't like um, when someone messes with minorities, you know, and groups of people like he has, um, which I think is pretty ridiculous. But anyway, I don't like getting too much into college. Yeah,
2: no, I didn't either. (laughs) I was just just curious because it seems to be another common theme that I'm finding with most of the athletes out there. Um, yeah. So you know, we're, you're not alone in whatever thoughts you may be having. <laughs> uh, and, and finally, uh, what what words of inspiration would you like to share with the tribal black community?
1: Huh, that's an interesting one. There's way too many quotes and words of inspiration for me. Um, here's a, maybe one of my favorite quotes. Um, it, there's two quotes. One of them is, uh, Kind of like my life motto that says um, I have a great ambition of dying exhausted rather than bored, um, and it has nothing to do with life or death. It just has to do with, that, you know, living exhaustedly and doing doing things. You know, not staying home watching TV but going out and doing things on your own. And I think that's kind of one of the main messages that I love um, trying to inspire uh, the youth with. Um, and the other one is about eternity. Eternity is nothing to do with time. Um, eternity is basically here and now. Um, and that's another uh, crazy idea. Kind of when I was uh, talking back half hour ago, when I was talking about running a huge waterfall and being above it, and how you know everything resumed into presence. Um, you know that's kind of one of the biggest things for me. You know to be able to uh, to find that moment in time where it's you know nothing else, like no no Facebook, no cell phone, no problems, you know, just just being able to find that, uh, you know, moment of absolute presence, um, you know, for anyone, being able to find that is something pretty special. Hmm. Words
2: of wisdom, man. Words of wisdom.
0: <laughs> well, la la.
2: Yeah, man. I, well, I can't thank you enough, man. You, you truly have been an inspiration to all of us and after talking to you, I'll never look at the waterfalls or Niagara, the same, <laughs> seriously Cool, <laughs> sure, man. So stay stay in touch. And, uh, you know, if you have any um, images or anything you want to share with us, because uh, we're going to build a profile page for you, it'll be like Wikipedia. Um, cool. And so we, we'd like to do your right. So if you have any images you'd like to share and have it on your profile page,
1: please send them our way. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's just um, – let's. I just keep messaging, and uh, yeah, and I'll I'll get you some some more content and some more stuff. And uh, yeah, stoked uh, to work with you guys. And yeah, thank you so much for the interest and in, uh, for your time as well. Likewise, Rafa, and uh, good luck with all your adventures. And
2: uh, congratulations on your future with your new wife coming up. Again, <laughs> right? Wish you all the happiness <laughs> in the world.
1: Man. Thank Take you. Care, appreciate it. Cool. I'm gonna Take get care. back to uh, packing, but I'll talk to you soon.
0: <laughs> you go, man.
1: Right, Bye. <laughs>
0: I tell you, Rafa is one cool dude. He's the type of guy you can hang out with and have a couple brews. Here's a takeaway for you: It's fine to walk away. Listen to your gut intuition. It may be the only warning you're gonna get. And it's also important to remember: It's not always about you. You've got to think about the ones you love, the ones you'll leave behind. So if you get that gut feeling you shouldn't do something. Listen to it, as Rafa did. And this pertains to pretty much everything else that you do in your life when you really think about it. So, until next week, my friends, this is Dan Goodwin with TroBlack TV, your entertainment source for extreme sports.